Thank you for downloading the sermon podcast of Calvary Chapel of Mercer County. Enjoy the message. All right. Good evening, everyone. You made it out safely before the snow. Anybody panic? Nobody's panicked. Not yet. You didn't panic yet. Okay. All right, my friends. We are in uh, Genesis chapter eighteen. So we we left off. We left off in verse sixteen. So uh, you can go there. Eight, chapter eighteen, verse sixteen. Now let me remind you a little bit of a context. Uh, the Lord has appeared. Uh, he and a couple of angels with uh, two, I should say, Abraham, um, reiterated that he, Abraham and Sarah would have a child uh, there. Um, Sarah kind of laughs at the idea. Um, well, before that, they have a meal together, all of them. And then uh, Sarah sort of laughs at this idea, and she's confronted for that. So that's sort of the background, okay? So Abraham, these three men, we'll call them, quote-unquote, uh, and then notice what it says in verse 16. Then the men set out from there, and they looked down toward Sodom. And Abraham went with them to set them on their way. Then the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do? Seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. I have chosen him that he may command his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice, so that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has promised him. Then the Lord said, Because the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is great, and their sin is very grave, I will go down to see whether they have done altogether according to the outcry that has come to me. And if not, then I shall know. Okie dokie. Mm-hmm. Alright, so, uh, again, going back and looking at those verses, starting off with verse 16, um, you know, if you have people at your house, you walk them to the door when it's time to leave. Abram, it seems, walks them to the edge of town or something like that uh, and uh, kind of sees them on their way. Then it seems they, they sort of get there. Verse 21, um, notice the Lord, um, again, the capital letters of the word Lord, um, seemingly speaking to the other two that are with him, whom we know are angels from our study. You'll see that later on uh, this evening. And they're trying to determine, do I or do I not, do we or do we not tell Abram what we're, what's about to happen uh, to Sodom? Uh, now, is the Lord uh, torn here? Is he confused? Is he sort of like, what should I do, wringing his hands? <laughs> not likely. Not likely. <laughs> so what, what do you think he's saying here, doing here? Well, you're all definite it wasn't the first. So what is it? It's kind of like a confirmation of what he was planning on doing. What do you mean by that when you say a confirmation? Uh, just like um, putting, it, putting it out there, just saying the facts. Okay. All right, and the idea is should I tell that to Abraham or not? But it's not a question. It's not a question. It's not a question. It's okay. just like, well, I'm going to, but... Well, um, it, verse 18, though, it ends with a question mark. That wasn't in the Hebrew. 
No. No? Bear, check that. Well, it says, shall I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do? Well, it's an it's odd circumstance, though, right? God obviously came down to reaffirm the promise yet again and to tell and to make sure Sarah heard the promise. Mm-hmm. Right. So, question was, why did he come? Why did he come down with two angels to Abram and not just disappear again and then go to Sodom and wipe him out? Right. So you must add a plan for including Abram in this whole Sodom and Gomorrah yeah. thing. I agree. Mm-hmm. So I think that's probably what the question is. So we, like she said, it's not really a question. Mm-hmm. It's really a... It's a and we have to look back, right? And Lot pitched his tent near Sodom. Yeah. yeah so. That's where it started. Okay. <laughs> in context. <laughs> yes. So... Um, so Abram's involved in this process because the Lord wants... To teach Abram something in this, speak yeah. to Abram something in this. And he's got, he's got blood in the game, so to speak. His son, uh, nephew. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, verse nineteen, I think, gives a little bit of ind- indication. It says, part of the reason why he's not going to, like, why would I hide it from Abraham? Verse nineteen, because I've chosen him, that he may command his children and his household after him, to keep the way of the Lord, and so on. Um, so. Uh, is this sort of a life lesson that he's sharing with him? Hey, I take sin seriously, and there's a judgment that comes for sin. Mm-hmm. Um, Abraham, I, I just told you in the last chapter or two, twice, that I'm going to make of you a great nation. Um, I mean, that's a very high calling for you to pass on to that nation, what I'm expecting. Um, so maybe it has something to do uh, with that regard. And Abraham did have a little bit of interaction with the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah. Yeah. Too, so. mm-hmm. Everybody remembers that, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll talk about it. Um, I guess that was what, 16? 17? 14. Chapter 14. Long time ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, boy, that was last year. <laughs> Thank you. Alright, well, it, because the outcry, so there's going to be a judge, you just got it. I thought you just got the joke no, <laughs> from last year. <laughs> and no problem. Um, so uh, the judgment's going to come, and, and then notice verse 20 and so on. Um, there's an outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah. Great in, um, is, and great is their sin. Their sin is very grave. Somebody like that. I'm trying to just uh, paraphrase it there. Um, what's this outcry? The sin itself is the outcry. Somehow that rises up to heaven. It's God's attention. Sort of like a stench into the nostrils of the Lord. Okay. Could it be anything else? There seems to be mentioned that they weren't very... I'm not saying this is why they were wiped out, but they were not very hospitable people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there could have been oppressing, oppression going on. Okay. We're going to talk about that more. Um, could it have anything to do with... Lot's prayers. John thinks that's interesting over there. Now I don't think Lot is informing God. What do you think, John? You you gave a smirk. I'm still marinating right now. Okay. All right. Good. All right. That sounds good. Maybe it has something to do with that, uh, one way or another. Um, the Lord is aware of the sin that is going on there, and 
uh, as a result, there's going to be consequences for that. Now let's read verse 22. But he decides to come down in person to check it out, though. Yeah, I don't understand that. <laughs> what do you think that signifies or means? or? Well, he sure wanted to, make, to verify what, what was happening and see, see how he wanted to verify it. By it firsthand, and not just take it uh, uh, on word of ear. Uh, wanted to make sure that before he destroyed, level, destroyed, leveled the two cities that he that they were uh, that this was what was happening. Mm -hmm. Now, that would make a lot of sense if he were like a king or something, no. you know. Um, Maybe it's one last chance for mercy. Maybe, so. Maybe. Send these two guys there. They treat them well. Then. How far? How far? What is the distance? Not. It doesn't have to be exact, but between Sodom and Gomorrah. It's just, what ten? Miles? We don't know where they are because oh. they were all destroyed. So we don't have any info on that. Um, because. It, Talks about these. Uh, they think they might have found them, and the uh, archaeologists might have found them. But it's just interesting how. Um, I'd like to know how many miles it is between one from the other. A yeah. to B. What were you saying, Josh? No, I was just um, possibly on the backside of the Dead Sea. But I think um, you know, this whole interaction, chances of God bringing something out in Abraham and Lot, showing Abraham how he is gracious, letting him say, hey, well, we're going to read it. You mm -hmm. know, whittle it down from, you know, there, if I find so many people, yeah. down to a pretty, pretty low number. Yeah. And then for Lot, he gave him a chance to go out and thank people to come with him. Mm -hmm. You know, his heart was crying out and says mm -hmm. in I think Hebrews it says that Lot's righteous soul was vexed. Yeah, we'll look at that. And I mean that's that is a cry. If he if his soul was vexed, he would be crying out to God. And we always look at Lot in a bad light, but that's kind of a real positive swing on him. Mm -hmm. I think God was just proving a lot as well by sending the angels, "Hey, Lot, this this, this place is done." Okay, so uh, that Abraham would uh, sort of get a sense of the heart of God, the nature of God. He would learn intercession, those things. That Lot would have an opportunity uh, to present mercy, you're suggesting. Um, maybe one last chance for the people that live in those cities. Um, mm -hmm. you know, they respond well to these angels and everything is good. Um, maybe Okay, so they're all valid, certainly so. All right, so let's go on then. So the men turned from there, they went towards Sodom, but Abraham stood still uh, before the Lord. Then Abraham drew near, and he said, Will you indeed sweep away the righteous with the wicked? Now he almost undoubtedly has his nephew Lot in mind. Um, he says, Suppose there are fifty righteous within the city. Will you then sweep away the place and not spare it for the fifty righteous who are in it? Far be it from you to do such a thing, to put the righteous to death with the wicked, so that the righteous fare as the wicked. Far be that from you. Shall not the judge of all the earth do what is just? And the Lord said, If I find at Sodom fifty righteous in the city, I will spare the whole place for their sake. 
This is like an this is an amazing little section of scripture, um, because certainly the Lord can do whatever He wants, and He could say, "You know what? I don't need any help from you, Abraham," and yet He, I, I think you have to know that He invites Abraham um, and surely welcomes Abraham coming. I was going to say he's so relational, like he wants to invite man sometimes into whatever it is that, you know, is going on, even with Moses. And then there's different other ones in the Bible where he's saying, you know, um, do not intercede for these people, you know, because he's so bent on, you know, um, judging a particular people group. But God is so relationship oriented. It's like he really wants to have, you know, fellowship with man. And you see this like all through the scriptures. You know, during important um, decisions that he's about to um, make and things he's about to do, he, he truly invites man. You know, that really shows you something about God's heart. You know, I think that's what was going on here. That's part of it. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, so. Yep. Anyone else? Some thoughts on this before we really dig into it? All right. Now, notice what a... I think we would call this, uh, I don't think we would, I, I'm pretty sure we would, Abraham's interceding on behalf of uh, not just his family, um, but this whole city. You know, don't destroy the city. You know, surely if there's righteous there, you won't destroy the city, um, he keeps saying. Uh, but notice, though, the first thing that takes place here, Abraham draws near, verse 23, Abraham draws near to the Lord. Um, that's the only one that's remaining there. And really, that's where intercession has to begin. It has to begin as we draw into God's presence and we begin to get the heart of God and understand sort of the will of God, then God begins to change our hearts. If, if we don't draw near to God, uh, I think the tendency is for us to observe Sodom and say, you know what, give it to them. They deserve it because we, we're kind of not in his presence where we're exposed um, already as well, but rather we're sort of in the presence of man, and we're better than all them, and so they deserve that judgment sort of thing. But he draws near, God begins to do a work on his heart, um, and so he begins to intercede. Two angels kept going, so it's just Abraham and the Lord, yeah. the angel of the Lord, and the other two angels, but I'm sure that he's thinking in his mind, okay, how long do they have to get to, get to Sodom, hmm. walking at the pace they were walking at? How much time do I have to? Because some commentators have said, we're going to go through this next part. Abraham is doing math in his head. Okay, how many people do I have to get down to before, you know, I'm not going to be able to even save Lot? Huh. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, so Abram asks, or Abraham now, he asks this question, uh, would you indeed uh, destroy the righteous with the wicked? Uh, and then he says, he says, shouldn't the judge of all the earth uh, do right? So, uh, is it the character of God to destroy the righteous along with the wicked? No. No? You sure? Okay, good. I like calling you out. You just hold your ground. That's not God's character. That's not God's character. In fact, it's opposite. It's opposite of his yeah. character? He pours out his blessing of rain and everything on the wicked as well as the just. Mm. Hmm. Okay. Um, so then, a, a righteous judge would not judge the 
righteous along with the wicked. That's what we're concluding. That's Abram's question. We're answering his question. Um, so what does Abram then do in this prayer as far as his, in his communication with God? Before he gets into interceding for uh, his family and so on, what does he do in this prayer as far as his connection with God is concerned? What are some things you notice? Well, he establishes the level of respect that he has for him. Uh, so he comes... For, and for God's power. Like he's, you know, comes in worship, essentially, to him by, by acknowledging his power. All right, which, where does uh, that happen? Specifically, um, shall not the judge of all earth do right. Okay, so that's he's his power. Him. I know who you are. It's capitalized, and he's you know he's calling him the judge of everything. Okay. You know, and he's basically that language is asking for mercy. He's really, it's it's very like a, you know, he's really quite the negotiator essentially. Well, sure. This, yeah. You know, I mean, he's really coming to the table knowing how to negotiate in a respectful. I mean, you know, I mean, it's God. You know, regular people come to a negotiation table with the same kind of attitude, but with God, even he's got even more so. He's really putting him, he's acknowledging that he knows who he is. Okay. You know, and showing that respect up front. Okay. Very good. He's appealing to God's character. He is. What's he, and he reminds God of his character. Of you got to do that for once in a while. Yeah, <laughs> because God forgets. <laughs> no. 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 Yes, Ruth, are you sure, Ruth? <laughs> 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 All right. But it is a pattern of prayer, though, that we yes. see in the scripture, where the the yes. person praying reminds God of his nature and his character, and, and that that's what Abraham does, and his promises, absolutely. Worship first. Well, yep, you begin with worship, it's a good idea. Um, okay, uh, then he prays for the entire city, I mentioned that, and notice verse 26, uh, the Lord says, if I find at Sodom 50 righteous, now why does God say 50? <clears throat> Because Abraham yeah, said 50. That's what yeah. I love about it. It's like a whole negotiation. Like, you don't start, you know, like everybody starts at their own ends and then they end up in a certain place. And yeah. It's like such a perfect example of negotiation. It is. Um, all right, verse 27. Abraham answered and said, Behold, I've undertaken to speak to the Lord. Now, what does that represent? I who am but dust and ashes. It's humility, right? Um, suppose five of the 50 are lacking. Would you destroy the whole city for lack of five? I mean, I think we could all answer that question. And he said, I will not destroy it for if I find 45. Um, again, he spoke to him. He said, well, suppose 40 are found there. And he said, for the sake of 40, I will not. Then he said, oh, let not the Lord be angry, and I'll speak. But again, suppose 30 are found there. And he said, I won't do it if I find 30. And he said, oh, behold, I've undertaken to speak to the Lord. S suppose 20 are found there. <laughs> And he answered, for the sake of 20, I will not destroy it. Now, is God getting angry here? No. No. doesn't tell us, but you, you certainly don't seem, no. think he is. No. Um, then he said, oh, let not the Lord be angry, and I will speak again but this once. Now, I think that's a mistake on Abram's part. <laughs> he should have kept, kept, kept going, you know. <laughs> Suppose 10 are found there. And he answered, for the sake of 10, I will not destroy it. And the Lord, he went his way, and when he had finished mm -hmm. speaking to Abraham, Abraham returned uh, to his place. So the original kind of question was, will you destroy the righteous along with the wicked? And God essentially answers that question. 
um, now, in, well, he does answer it. Now, in Abraham's mind, it really just comes down to how many righteous is God willing to sacrifice to destroy, if you will, the, uh, the wicked. And again, he stops at 10, thinking maybe he's pushed his luck. Uh, I think because how does he know? He has no clue. How well, no, he would think he probably Lot and his wife and his kids, right? So how many? Right, I don't but what I'm saying have. is, like, he can't. Well, the two girls. Know. So he had four. Right. And he and he had he's girls. like doing like you said, doing math. Sure. He's doing math. Husbands. Maybe he assumes, look, if if I send him down there, yeah, he's got to reach at least five or six people since he's been down. I don't know, or whatever. Oh, I see. what you're saying. Yeah, he's hedging. He's trying to like cover. But you're saying so. He, but even Lot's household would have been his wife. Himself, his wife, his two girls, That's maybe boring. their husbands yeah. or so betrothals. They, they were betrothed. They were so, betrothed. Yeah, they're they're called sons-in-law, uh, but we know that they had never so been with their wives yet. So, so okay, so six. Yeah, okay. A couple of servants here and there. Chant, he's reached. If he would have got the five, you could have gone to visit Sodom and Gomorrah on the Israel trip. Which we're going to, by the way, in June of 2017. Not Sodom and Gomorrah. Yes, sir. How come you didn't send someone down to the kings, these cities, and say, if you're not going, if you don't repent and turn from your. Your ways were going to, you might be destroyed, mm. like he did in Jonah. Yeah. Well, you know, the, he he went, he sent uh, Jonah out to uh, Nineveh, and yeah. then uh, <laughs> then uh, the, saw the Ninevite king, and then they turned in from their ways. Sure. Why didn't? Why didn't? <coughs> excuse me. Did he not well, uh, send the somewhat? Abraham to the king and say, "If you're not going, if they don't change their evil ways, we're going. God's going to mm. destroy you." Well, let me ask you this: We've studied a little bit already in Genesis. We've read about Sodom and Gomorrah. Did ever did God ever send them a testimony, other than Lot, who hopefully was? But well, when he went to when they went out to battle, uh huh. Abram came and saved them. Yes. And then there was a whole Machizedek thing. Going yes. On. So there was a witness there. Abram said, "I won't take a, you know, that was a, that was I guess that was testimony against them that I won't take any of your stuff." Well, this is what Melchizedek, the okay. king, got you right, right. He said, um, "Blessed be Abram by God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be God Most High." who has delivered your enemies into your hand. So he. this is in the midst of all of these kings, the kings of Sodom, and, uh, Sodom and, and so on and so forth, the others that were mentioned there. So there is some degree of testimony of God Most High in the midst. Maybe that was their opportunity there, and they rejected it, Paul? Mm. Okay. Not the same as when Jonah went and said, you got a month Not exactly. you know, shape up. Here's a question for him. <laughs> and maybe Lot was preaching too. Yeah. One would hope. Um, all right, well, uh, notice this also. Abraham's specificity in his prayer. I think we have a tendency, sometimes I do, to pray, oh Lord, just bless my friend, you know, that kind of thing. Or bless the whole world, Lord. 
right now, just bless the whole world, you know, and he's like, what does that mean? Or whatever. Until you're ready to come back with some specifics. No blessings. No, I'm just teasing, you know. But we should pray specifically when we pray, okay? So Abraham says, I'm praying for 45. No, let me change that. 35. No, no, no. 20, you know, and so on. And so he works his way down there. So what exactly are you asking the Lord to do? You know, I, I mentioned the other day on Sunday morning about um, something about what if we all wrote down the name of somebody we wanted to see get saved this year. I think we should do that. Yeah. Why don't we all do that as a church? I think that'd be great. If only somebody would take the lead on that. Box of names. Yeah. All right. I'm going to tell Will Lynch to get on it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> poor Will. Go. He's going to listen to this. <laughs> He's going to be like, oh, man. All right. Verse 29. Again, he spoke to him. Suppose, oh, we did all. Suppose there are 40 um, that are there. He says he won't destroy it for 40. He says he won't destroy it for 30. And he keeps going down. Um, and Abraham doesn't know all these people. And yet he keeps asking for him, and he keeps lowering the number because Abraham is convinced that this little intercession that he's going through is preserving these people from eternal destruction. And so he's interceding for them. And, and I think what's happening here is one of the reasons why this event is occurring is Abraham is developing in a heart of a leader for the nation that's going to come or the families that are going to come um, from him. And so um, just a tender heart, soft, doesn't want best for those that are going to be under him and so on. All righty. Um, verse 31, Behold, I've undertaken to speak to the Lord. And he keeps counting the number down. He gets all the way um, to 10. Notice, though, continued humility. He's petitioning for God's justice and mercy. Um, somebody has described this as bold humility. Right? There's bold humility here. He's humble, but he's very confident in God, his character, um, that if he asks, God will say yes, and so he just keeps coming in bold humility. All right, And then we read verse 33, the Lord went his way, finished speaking. Uh, now, I don't know if you've read ahead, but ultimately this little time of prayer was a waste of time, wasn't it? Jim doesn't agree. <laughs> he's, he's groaning or something. Okay. That's a good answer. That's Abraham still <laughs> learned the place of intercession and he developed the heart for intercession. So very good answer. And it's a tool for us. It's a lesson for us. To, yep. Mm -hmm. All right. Josh said this earlier. Why did he stop at 10? Uh, he could have kept going five, four, three, you know, whatever. As a matter of fact, God keeps going, doesn't he? If, again, we haven't read the story. Does everybody know the story? Anybody here has no idea what's coming up and you can't wait to turn the page? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, good. So, um, God finds the righteous people in here and he pulls them out. So there are no righteous in this city. Um, so Abram could have gone all the way down to one, I guess. Um, so uh, could this also be a picture of what is coming? What is coming? A time where there will be great judgment upon the whole world, not just a couple of cities. Mm -hmm. And those righteous who are 
God's own are taken out of that city and preserved. And it goes to show you that we don't know, it's not up to us to judge, but only God knows who is righteous truly, who mm -hmm. knows their heart. And who is don't. not. Yes. And who is not. All right, so I think what you're saying is, could this be used as an example of an argument for um, either a pre-trib rapture or at the very least a pre-wrath rapture of the church, that the church won't go through God's tribulation and judgment because he's not going to judge the righteous along with the wicked? <coughs> I think so. And a lot of people have used that too. A lot of people use that. Mm -hmm. And we see a temporal example of this when the Israelites were in Egypt. After it got to a certain number of plagues, it, it says, and those in Goshen, and Goshen is where the Israelites were, these plagues didn't hit. Mm -hmm. So God has a way of protecting the righteous out of, even if the judgment's coming on the entire country, he can protect. Kind of like no. the Jews in the tribulation in Petra? Yeah. Are you making an argument against him? No, no, no. Just I'm saying, a counter? I'm saying, I'm saying in, a, in, a, in a time and space, he already showed he could do that. God showed that he could, he could even protect the righteous in the midst of judgment. Yeah. So Josh gave an example of the righteous being taken out of the judgment coming. Sure. And that would seem a pre-wrath, pre-trib, whatever. Um, the case you brought up, I might use that and say, no, no, say so here's an example where even in the, they're there still in the midst of the tribulation, but not touched. Yeah. Well, there's tribulation and then there's the ultimate wrath. I mean, we... What's the ultimate wrath? Do you well, mean like hell I mean, or... Well, but I mean, you know, we're, we, it doesn't mean we're going to be spared from any, you know, bad stuff happening to Okay, us, well, when you mean the tribulation, you're talking about capital talking T. About the great tribulation in the, the book of Revelation. The, like the wrath. Yeah, okay, so... So Jesus so that's said what we're that about. in this world you will have tribulation, right, exactly. which is trouble. We'll all right, have that. Right. But we won't all experience, so we, none of us thing. will experience the I mean. wrath of God. No, no, I, I kind of see what you're saying. I, I did, I guess I, what I said was a little bit different than being taken out of, being protected in the midst of. Mm -hmm. Right. So. right. So it's different. So, how do we know? so there's, a, there's a different example then. Okay. Yeah. How do we know if we're righteous enough? Well, what is your righteousness... Uh, Determined by, based on. Uh, anybody know? Hopefully, Why? somebody. Jesus. What do you think, Why sister? On Jesus. What'd you say? Jesus and Jesus alone. Jesus and Jesus alone. So. There's nothing I can do. You sure about that? I'm positive. <laughs> <laughs> Anything you better be sure about. That's what my mom said too, but. Yeah. I don't know. Well, you got to give us more. <laughs> you can't. Just, <laughs> I don't know. I, it just seems too good to be true. Like, mm. you know? I agree. Yeah. It is too good to be true. All right, true. so let me see if I understand. Your mom proclaimed that she knew Jesus or something and and then maybe walked away from the faith. Is that what you're suggesting? Or? No, I, I, I was talking to my mom about uh, the return and... Uh, you know, I was, like, trying to get her to uh, look at the show, and she wouldn't look at it. She's like, that's somebody's opinion, you know? Okay. I'm like, all right, whatever. And um, so I'm like, well, you know, how how do we know? Like, 
like, I know, like, if you accept Jesus and everything, you're supposed to go to heaven and everything. And she's like, well, I'm not worried about it because I got saved, you know. And, and she said pretty much the same thing you said. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, well, I don't know. It just seems so easy. And God doesn't seem like he, like, gives us everything so easy. Okay. You know, so not that I'm, like, really worried about it, but I'm just saying, like, what if you do believe in everything and like I had a dream like that and everything and but what if it's not that easy and we just think it is okay well <laughs> if we like what if we do absolutely nothing good in our life we just we're like horrible and all that kind of stuff but and then we just accept Jesus and we go to heaven Here's so like example. Hitler could go to heaven what about the thief on the cross he didn't do anything good in his life well, he was hanging in judgment for his sins and what he had done. And, and, yeah. and what did Jesus say to him before they died? Today, yeah, you'll be with me in paradise. Yeah, he didn't have a chance to do anything good. Well, All he yeah. did was hang up there on the cross. But we do, though, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. like, and, and I would say, in somewhat support of what you're suggesting, and, and I think it was here at Bible study, we were looking at how uh, James, we were talking about, was it this um, group together? That if you say you have faith mm -hmm. and then no good deeds follow, mm -hmm. then one could seriously question what sort of faith you even have if you really do have faith. Yeah. So there is a place for good deeds and, and all of that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. But the scripture makes very clear that our righteousness, the, the righteousness that will uh, gain us entrance into heaven, is the righteousness of Christ that is imparted to us. So that God looks on us and he sees his son and the righteousness of his son. Mm -hmm. So the same idea of how does a person get into heaven would carry over to this idea of how does a person get out of hell or get out of the tribulation, not on our own goodness or righteousness. Now, there are some people that teach that, yeah. that you know, only the, the cream of the crop of the Christians will be spared from tribulation. Mm -hmm. I, I don't think the Bible teaches that. I don't think that's grace any longer. Because I, I, I thought it was only 144,000. Okay, now you read that number in Revelation, mm -hmm. right? And if you look at that number, it, it's a counting up of the tribes um, of Israel there. Mm -hmm. So I guess it's what, 12,000 from each tribe? 12 yeah. times 12? Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. And those are kind of special yeah. numbers, so it may not even be a real number. Yeah. Uh, 12 is a special so of government or whatever. Yeah. I tend to think it is that number, but yeah. it could also be a symbolic thing. They're Jewish virgin males, too. Like the perfect yeah, yeah. So, yeah. It ain't you. It ain't you. <laughs> <laughs> you see. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, I had that mindset, actually. I grew up in a... My parents, I believe, were, were definitely Christians. I went to church every week, but I had that mindset that, hey, yeah, that whole that whole Jesus thing... I'm just going to wait. And, like, I've, I had dreams even of, like, it was the end of the world. And, like, I was going to, I was going to, you know, there's a verse in Romans that says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. I said, that's it right there. That's the ticket out. And then, you know, then I realized after hearing the gospel and other people sharing with me, that really wasn't what it was. It wasn't a get out of hell free card. It, at the end, like, right when you're in the last breath, that's not, that's not how it works. I mean, God has to do... God makes you realize that you are a sinner in need of salvation now, yeah. here and now. Mm -hmm. And then everything that comes after that, like you said, was it's it's outworking of that faith, of that salvation. 
and if there is nothing, which is the danger of some, mm -hmm. you know, you see crusades, even the Billy Graham crusade, mm -hmm. there's a danger there that somebody takes a walk down the aisle and prays a prayer, and then somebody tells them and slaps them on the back and says, all right, you're all yeah. set for heaven, mm -hmm. and there was really no salvation there. There yeah. was a profession of faith, but there was no possession of faith. Mm -hmm. huh. okay. So. Yeah, that's kind of like that guy that was Satanist. I don't know his first name. I think his last name is Lefay or Anton. something. Anton. Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, on his deathbed, he yeah. accepted Christ. Well, well praise the Lord. Oh, well, I don't know. Well, no, I will, though. Let me go back to something yeah. you said. You know, you gave the example of, like, Hitler. Yeah. So Hitler could, you know, whatever. Well, example that Mark just mentioned, Jeffrey Dahmer. This guy cutting people up, eating them, and all this stuff, crazy stuff, or whatever. And he gets converted while he's in jail. And I remember hearing a lot of people angry, like, oh, yeah, that's real fair, you know, this kind of thing. And then he got beat up, he got beat in jail and died. He was killed in jail. And people were like, he got what he deserved, or whatever. But they were perturbed by the idea that this guy could do all these horrible things confess his sins, believe in Jesus, and he could go to heaven. And then they would say, that's not fair. And, and the reality is, it's not fair for anybody to go to heaven. Yeah. Fair is everybody goes to hell. Yeah. No sin is greater than another sin. Right. Well, well, we don't even know the good. <laughs> no, I hear you. I hear you. Yeah. <laughs> we have no idea what, what interaction Again, between it's only God and God Yeah, exactly. So the Lord like, knows his heart. I tell the kids, M-way, it's none of my business. But it's any... Consolation, the, the verse that I didn't get saved at this point, but it woke me up to Ephesians 2 8, where by grace you are saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not mm -hmm. of works, lest any man should boast. We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus under good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. And I think that sums up works. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you, you, in a length of time, you're going to do stuff in God's name. Those works don't save you. Yeah, it's, it's, faith. It's, it's faith, it's grace, grace alone. Yeah, it's, it's, well, and it's not of yourself, not, not of works. You know, it's, and I, you know, before I got saved, I was raised as a Catholic, and I didn't even take that seriously. And I was content, like, eh, I'm just going to party and have a great time and go to hell. No, yeah, and, I had the same mindset. And I, with that <laughs> mindset... You know, we were, I was talking with a colleague at work, and all he did was pull his Bible out and read. He read that verse to me, and I was like, "Ding!" And I was yeah. and like, didn't take hold for a while, yeah. but that verse woke me up. Yeah, you know, that, that's Praise when God called me. You know, right. Praise so, the Lord. Yeah, it's and all it's all grace. It's all grace. It's the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. Does yeah. it? We don't do it. We don't go. I'm going to ride the ride for as long as I want, and then get in. Yeah. And unfortunately, it takes some to go all the way to the bottom of the ride before oh, God was says, on that ride "Are you ready? Yeah. Are you hearing me?" Yeah. 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 Well, he's been calling me since I was a kid, and then I ignored yeah. him for a long time. Yeah, yeah here's just one illustration I like to use. Um, if I give you a free gift and you leave it, and you don't unwrap it, and then one day you unwrap it and you receive it and you say it is what I've always wanted mm -hmm. and that's what Jesus is blood he has shed his blood for you and for me alone 
and he's giving you that gift. And as long as you don't accept it, then he can't do anything for you. But when you open it up and receive it, Mm -hmm. then he has given you the grace to go to heaven. And then any works or anything after that is the joy and the crown. I was going to say, I was a little bit of a wild child for a while, you know? A bunch but, of us yeah, like, <laughs> welcome to the you're world. Right, you're in the uh, right place. You should have seen Ruth. <laughs> you, know, you don't know. Nobody here knows what I was like in my youth. Yeah. But him and him yeah. alone and say, yeah. like, he knows my heart. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you right now, I was a sinner. Mm-hmm. And I was saved by grace. Amen. Amen. Cool. Yeah. Well, thank you, all of you. Good You're stuff. Awesome. <laughs> so let me ask you this: uh, Do you do you ever intercede for others mm. in prayer? Oh, absolutely. Yes. Oh, absolutely. Okay, everybody's got that. Good. Um, if you don't start, <laughs> you really should. You know, and and sometimes I think that'd be a good series. Do you Just ever saying. intercede for others? Just intercession. Mm-hmm. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good idea. My the pastor in the church I got saved in, he had a he had a, a scheme for prayer, Good. and he, uh, he it was concentric circles. So you're in the middle, oh. and your family's outside oh. that, and then your friends and acquaintances are outside that, and then your so that your friends and then your enemies are outside of that, and then oh. the bigger world is outside of that. And he said he said he said you should probably start on the outside. And that'll take up all your time. And by the time you get to the center circle where you are, you don't have any time to pray for yourself. And that's yep. about what it should be. And we, said we tend to work the other way out. Yeah. You pray for yourself, and you pray for your family, and then you pray for, you know, and you said you really should pray in the other, the other direction. How about that? I pray for my family. And you can skip your own, yeah. Yeah, I skip myself, but I don't know if I do it in line. I just pr- I pray for, like, a lot of different people. Sometimes I pray for like whole groups of people you know what I mean Mm -hmm. and then I um, thank God for like a lot Mm -hmm. of stuff you know because you have to like you know I mean it's he does so much you know so I I think I I just thank him for a lot of stuff and then I pray you know for Mm -hmm. a lot of people if I can just once you're saved you can't lose your salvation Oh, that's good. You can't lose it. And John 10, um, second. Philippians 2. Uh, I liked this. Believe me, I know he's there. <laughs> it's just, sometimes I wondered, you know, because it just seemed so easy. John ten twenty nine, My Father, which gave them me, is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. Once you're in... Now, you may decide to do some weird stuff. <laughs> no. And then, no well, I, I can speak from my own experience. I did all my weird stuff. <laughs> well, I'm just saying, in my own experience, even after yeah. I've, I've gotten some, hey, buddy, you know, yeah. there's a difference between chastening and you're not part of my family. You know, once once you are saved, you've given your, you know, you're born again. You took the old heart and gave you a new one. Mm-hmm. You can't lose your salvation. And that's... No. Mark, were you going to quote a verse in Philippians, you said? He who began a work in you will be faithful to complete it in yes. the day of Christ Jesus. 
So, mm-hmm. yeah. Good news, and, right? You know, I yeah. just, I also would like to put in a plug where, I mean, I don't know where you're coming from exactly, but I can tell you that from my own personal experience, I didn't really start a serious walk with the Lord until I was like 49 years old. Oh, and that okay. was just like five years ago. So, um, and I didn't have a concept of how to, like what the way Ruth explained it is a great way to explain it, and I've heard other people explain it. People used to say to me, just rest in the Lord, or just take, and I had no clue what that meant because of the life that I came from, the life that I lived. So what I would say is, even if it doesn't make sense, just keep coming. Just keep listening, just keep reading, because some of us come from backgrounds that it makes no sense that someone would give you something unconditionally or love you unconditionally. Thank you. Amen. All right, well, let's see what happens. We're all dying to know. All right. Sorry, I don't know. How we're going to go. Oh, this was this a good detour. Very good. All right, let's read the first uh, three verses of chapter 19. The two angels came to Sodom in the evening, and Lot was sitting in the gate of Sodom. Does it tell us when, what meal they ate in chapter 18? Meal? Oh. Remember they ate a meal together? Does it say, like, when the sun went down or anything like that? So. Well, it said they were eating uh, meat and bread. Okay, well, here. In in verse 1, it says, he sat at the door in the heat of the day. Okay. So that's like noonish or lunchtime, you know, midday. Um, You know, I don't know how long it takes to cook an animal up, but I assume they had dinner together or whatever. (laughs) Bread, too. Some bread. Yeah. All right, well, anyway, here they are. It's evening now, so a little bit later. says in the evening. Which one? New King James. No, that's what he said, 19. He's trying to figure out they ate and they walked, and it was evening by the time we got to Sodom. Came to Sodom in the evening. Oh, so you're saying what meal did they have? When they were in chapter 18? Uh, Yeah, I don't don't know. I'm confused about what you're saying. I I see something about they came in the evening. So in chapter 19, 1, they arrive in Sodom in the evening. I was asking, when they gathered for a meal in chapter 18, does it tell us what meal it was, or are there any clues as to how long a journey this was, and so on. And I think we've concluded it was sometime mid to late afternoon. Um, So, there you have it. That'll help you in traffic when you're frustrated. (laughs) 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 Two hours! Well, when I say... Tom gets real impatient, my husband, and I say, hey, don't you know this? It's God's time. If if you're going to make it to this appointment, it's all appointed ahead of time by God. Mm -hmm. Does he like when you say that to him? (laughs) (laughs) No, he, he sets the alarm and he gets anxious if he doesn't get where he wants to go because of traffic or something. And I say, it's whatever's meant to be. There you go. <laughs> All right, now, two angels come. So came. it's getting evening, so it's getting dark. Dun, dun, dun. Um, oh, yeah. okay. Now, when Lot saw them... Oh, okay, I see more. Okay. Yeah. Um, All right, let's start again. Two angels came to Sodom in the evening, and Lot was sitting in the gate of Sodom. When Lot saw them, he rose to meet them, and he bowed himself with his face to the earth. And he said, My lords, please... Turn aside to your servant's house and spend the night and wash your feet. Then you may rise up early and go on your way. Then he said, they said, no, we'll spend the night in the town square. But he oppressed them strongly, so they turned aside to, to them and entered his house. 
and he made them a feast and baked unleavened bread. This guy's got a maid everywhere they go. They get food. <laughs> All right, a couple things that we notice here. Um, Lot is sitting in the gate. Now remember, uh, cities would have pretty much been walled in, and, and that way, you know, one way in, maybe two ways in, something like that. We know Jerusalem was a larger city. It had multiple gates, but Sodom probably has just the one gate. It says the gate of Sodom. Um, Lot is sitting there. That indicates that Lot was a leader of the city. This is, it's the entrance to the city, but it's sort of like the, the town square um, or the seat of municipality. So Lot has, was initially sort of uh, new to the city. Now he's one of the people at least running the city, um, sitting at the city gate as he is. Well, I think we um, saw him move from, he pitched his tents right. near. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, and it, and it said in those verses, and Sodom was sinning greatly. Yeah. Same thing. And Did now it? he's in the gate yeah. as a leader, living inside the city. And Sodom is sitting, you know, so the, here we go. It's all picture of getting closer. He's to getting sin. closer, yeah, mm-hmm. closer and closer. To. So you, you just said... He pitched his he tent, pitched his tent mm-hmm. and it started. said Sodom was I sinning greatly. Well, let's uh, let's take a look at this idea. See if you can find it more. Okay. Let's take a look at this idea of this digression into sin on Lot's part. Um, Psalm chapter one says this: "Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers." So do you, you see sort of that digression? You're you're walking, then you're kind of standing there, and hmm, and then you, you say, you know, I'm going to settle in here and sit down. Um, so here is Lot now kind of going through a similar digression. Now, Josh, we, we all have in our minds that Lot was like this terrible guy or whatever, did horrible things. Um, but the reality is we learn that what he is observing and living amid, amongst in Sodom, it grieved him. This is Second Peter 2. You, you thought maybe Hebrews. Second Peter says this, For as that righteous man, we're talking about Lot, as that righteous man lived among them day after day, he was tormenting his righteous soul over their lawless deeds that he saw and heard. Oh, that's a different, that's a different wording, though. He was tormenting his soul, not he was tormented in his soul. Okay. So a righteous uh, well, man being exposed by that evil was tormenting his soul. So he was basically being abused. His soul was being abused and being tormented and being vexed. Not so much that. You see what I'm saying? There's a slight difference there. Yeah, I. He's inflicting the torment on himself. Yes, that's it. What um? By being in that bad color. (laughs) Okay, so I I'm quoting the the uh, Second Peter two eight ESV. Eight. Yeah. What's King James say? Two what? Eight. For that righteous man dwelling among them, oh, and is seeing and hearing, <laughs> vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful yeah. deeds. So, that's King James. I don't know if he's beating himself up or if his soul is being beaten up. I'm not sure. Um, well, if you look back at verse 7, it says, And he delivered just not vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked. Oh, okay. He was vexed with that. Like it, it, just like I'm vexed when all that stuff happening around me. I'm vexed with that. It's like it bothers me. Like I wouldn't say that I'm a part of it. I say it bothers me. No, 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 absolutely. I'm, you know? I'm saying it's it you, really like, does. It, like if it you get, you know, you, let's you go, you go hang out with a bunch of sailors, and now every word is a curse word. It bothers you, right? So that's yeah. what I, I said. That attitude, as opposed to maybe we maybe we're giving a little little bit too much credit 
that he was standing up for righteousness and preaching against it. Oh, I, yeah, I don't know if he was. I don't think he was necessarily. Yeah. Well, if you look at the trend of his life, he says he pitched his yeah, so towards Sodom. Verse, yeah. In verse 13, it says, and the Sodom was wicked. Yes. Like, they were wicked. Now, he eventually, he, why did he split from Abraham? He had too many, too much stuff. It looked beautiful now. And he they had, the bigger but, but, if, but looking at it, yeah. Abraham's herdsmen and Lot's herdsmen were fighting because there was too many sheep. Right. What's he got when he's in the gate of Sodom? Nothing. He's got nothing. All that stuff's gone. But he was a leader somehow or another. But all the rest, all of his stuff is gone. Yeah. Well, he originally picked that piece of land because it was the better choice of the two. Right. He right? picked what looked good as opposed to, to what, what looked good next to wicked people as opposed to what was better. Mm-hmm. And he started on the edge way. and eventually ended up getting sucked in. All right. I'm going to get to that. Let me make, <laughs> let me make this point. Um, Lot is a righteous soul, even though he lives in an unrighteous, wicked um, community. Um, it seems his heart is grieved over the sin, um, but it does not seem he made any impact on his community or had any impact on his community. Um, it becomes obvious he didn't reach a single person, and I know ultimately God reaches people, but he uses us. He didn't reach a single person and he barely reached his own children, as we're going to see. They're a little oh, kooky, yeah, too, a, lot, yeah. um, a little bit later. And his wife not either. One might say, Lot's an example of a saved soul, but a wasted life. You know, that he, his life wasn't really used to help anybody else get saved as well. So Paul speaks of, in 1 Corinthians, he said... If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only, as it were, through fire. Um, some people are content with that. As long as I get my fire insurance and I'm in, I'm in. Paul makes it very clear that's a pitiful existence. That's not what it's supposed to be like at all. You know, you're supposed to bring as many people as you can with you, uh, and so on and so forth. So we don't just try to squeeze into heaven. Um, I saw a, I don't know what it was, some movie or something or another and uh, you know what it was? I think it was Titanic and uh, the boat started flooding and all of the workers that were down in the bottom of the boat, um, they they shut off like parts of the boat so that the water would get in there and stay in there and so these guys are trying to shut the last thing down and all this stuff but the doors are shutting and the guy's yelling, let's go let's go, let's go kind of thing and you see this last guy, he comes running and he just sort of slides in underneath the door and then it slams shut (laughs) That's not how we're supposed to get into heaven. You know, that you just made it kind of thing. Um, you want to bring as many people with you as you can. Anyway, it's a picture in my mind. So, Lot's digression. Uh, did you look up 1310? Yeah. yeah. Okay, you want to read that? So, 1310. I was starting up there. Okay. Uh, okay. What did you have? And Lot 1312? Well, later parts of it. And okay. Lot lifted up his eyes and saw that the Jordan Valley was well watered okay. everywhere, like the garden of the Lord. Da, da, da. This is before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. So Lot chose for himself all the Jordan Valley, and Lot journeyed east. Thus they separated from each other, Abraham from Lot. Abram settled mm-hmm. in the land of Canaan, while Lot settled among the cities of the valley and moved his tent as far as Sodom. Now the men of Sodom were wicked and great sinners against the Lord. That's the verse you were thinking yeah. of. Okay, now, Lot may not know that. Sure. Right? Um, but what Lot does know is, that area looks great. 
you know. And, uh, it's just like one poor choice after another. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And what's what's the catalyst for his choices? Uh, it's good. flesh. What well, appeals to flesh the flesh? Generated, yeah. yeah. Right. Um, you know, the way it's worded in mine, Lot lifted up his eyes. Mm-hmm. Somebody wrote, uh, not not high enough. Yeah. You know, they didn't pray mm-hmm. about it, didn't seek the Lord. Lord, is this going to be a good place? Abraham. Abraham made him the offer to choose. And the considerate thing would have been to say, you choose, because he was the wiser, the elder, etc. But sure. he, from the get-go, he yeah. didn't do the right thing. All right. Um, and then he had a second choice because he got taken away when the kings came and had their war. Mm-hmm. Abraham went and rescued him. He could have went. He could have went and stayed with Abraham again. Mm-hmm. But he went back. That's he a good point. Yeah. yeah. So this is what we have in 1310. He sees the area and he goes toward Sodom. In 1312, he puts his tent there, uh, moved his tent or pitched his tent toward Sodom. In 1412, it tells us he lived in Sodom, and then in 1901, it tells us he's sitting in the gate of Sodom. You know, so there's this digression of things here. Um, blessed is a man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, or sits in the seat of scoffers, or stands. Or you get remember I shared that verse a few minutes ago. Um, and blessed is encamped within. So a digression of sin. So how do we avoid that in our own lives? Run. <laughs> Run the other way? The other way. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. No, you, have to, you can't tool with or toy with whatever term you want to use. Um, especially, we all have our areas that, you know, you know, I know my own, there are certain things that are not a temptation. There are other things that are clearly a temptation. Those things that are, you know, that I can't fight, and then God has not given me the strength to fight and to flee it. Okay, that's a that's a good one. But you might say that Lot was just a righteous man living amongst amongst a bunch of unrighteous people, and isn't that the situation that we all have in the world? So you can't just you can't just separate yourself from. It. He could have moved after he found out how. Um, he, their situation, and he could have said, all right, this is not the right situation for me, and uh, gone and chosen another city. Mm-hmm. I, I hear the point you're making, though. You know, we just can't go live in the mountains somewhere, or something like that. Um, but, nice. it, you would love it. <laughs> but, there are th- me too. there are things that we can do to limit the exposure, so to speak, uh, and protect mm-hmm. ourselves. It doesn't seem like Lot is taking any thought about limiting the exposure, um, thinks that he's going to be safe, thinks his family mm. is going to yeah, be safe. Not in, well, when we see that later, he's like a total idiot when it comes to his family. Yeah, yeah I know. So he just seems very, you know, he's just not, he doesn't make good choices at all. Yeah. Because he doesn't seek the Lord at all. There you go. You never see him mm-hmm. seeking the Lord in any of his decisions. Yeah, you're probably right. I didn't think about it, but... Um, to me, that's why I said, like, he didn't even ask Abraham. Like, he didn't say to Abraham, like, you make the choice, because to me that would have been a, a picture of um, being subservient to someone else rather than just taking yeah. what you want, little yeah. by little. But he doesn't pray about anything. He doesn't ask his, you know, 
Count, godly counsel, all that kind of stuff, yeah. Alrighty, so another way then that we avoid the digression into sin is godly counsel, prayer. You said that, Ruth, as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so run, um, don't, don't over, uh, it's not estimate, it's not overestimate, but don't, maybe it's overestimate your own ability. I'm, I'm okay. I've been a Christian a long time now. Well, I think maybe what Josh said, you you don't hear anything about his sheep and his herdsmen anymore. So Mm -hmm. did he change in that kind of a lifestyle of being a sojourner to being a resident? Permanent fixture. Now, you could say you want to give the benefit of the doubt. Did he he become part of this Sodom government to try to change it from the inside? Mm. But I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. Yeah, I hear you. A couple I mean, my favorite verses, a couple of my favorite sections of Scripture, you know, Colossians 3. If you then are risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sits on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. For you are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall you also appear with Him in glory. So mortify your members which are upon the earth, and gives all those things. So putting that stuff aside, and then thinking of how to do that, you go back to Philippians. You know, Philippians 2.5, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. But he made himself of no reputation, and he took upon himself the form of a servant, and he was made into the likeness of men. Being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. But, you know, we mortify ourselves and we take that stuff that the rest of the world may be drawing us into uh, that would get us trickling down that rocky path that leads to that broader stream that goes out into that river that takes us into the bay of mm-hmm. sinfulness. You know, if we humble ourselves and do what God asks, yeah, when we find ourselves on that way, humble ourselves, get ourselves back mm-hmm. in into that straight path that's harder to climb, but being there and where we're supposed to be. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a hard road, but it's what we're called to. Mm-hmm. I feel like, too, I, I, I'm not sure that, and I could be completely wrong, but I'm not sure I've ever, uh, is there a place in here where we've ever seen Lot have a relationship with the Lord that didn't have something to do with Abraham? Like, his relationship with the Lord is always Abraham's intercession. Other than Second Peter, which he's called righteous Lot, yeah, but doesn't so, say anything about Abraham. Like, so with so the fact that Abraham has been his protector, you would think that he would kind of like he's mm. just, to me he's just like a foolish person. You know what I mean? Like he just really isn't making right choices. Right. And it's a shame because he doesn't even know how to have a relationship with the Lord. The like Abraham's been like really helping him out the whole time and he doesn't even you know he doesn't even lean into Abraham for advice or counsel yeah. or anything. Well he has a clear example from Abram too when that war happened. Abram basically said to the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah, I don't want any of your stuff. I'm sure right, Lot was me, there yeah. when Melchizedek came out and said what he said too. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. he had an example of Abram not associating not even wanting a thong of their mm-hmm. sandal. Mm-hmm. You know, and yet he didn't take it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, 
well, let's clean up these last couple of verses, and then we'll have to stop there. Verse 3, uh, no, in verse 2, he comes out, he finds these two men. Now, they look like just regular men. Um, we know they're angels, because it says so a little bit later, but um, he sees them as regular men. He goes out, shows them incredible hospitality. That's not unusual. We saw Abraham just did that as well. What is unusual is how much he pressed them. No, you, you can't stay in the, the square. Uh, because he knows what's going to happen to them uh, if they do stay in the square. So he says, come, please, stay with me, make some some food, um, and everything's going to be great. It's going to be a good night. Everything should go from there wonderfully well. All right, but unfortunately, time is such. So we will stop there in verse 4 uh, this evening. Okay, friends? Good time. Good talk, guys. Let's pray. Father, thank you for... Uh, there's a lesson here for us, Lord. Lord, I, I think all of us here, we've, we've come to the place of knowing you, and yet, Lord, we can find ourselves uh, really in the same place as Lot. Lord, we can uh, slide further and further and further away from you where we, we end up in a place that certainly isn't going to be healthy for our relationship with you. And, and so, Lord, uh, Lord, I just ask... Lord, even now, if there are, there are those areas in our, in our lives where we've been drifting, Lord, that uh, you would make us aware of those things. Lord, uh, not when we get all I think of the prodigal, how he came to his senses, Lord, sort of when he found himself in the pit. And, Lord, our prayer is that uh, we might come to our senses um, far earlier, Lord, and, uh, and be spared. Lord, from all those difficulties that uh, poor decisions can, can bring on us. Lord, we want to run hard after you. We want to cling to you. Um, so, Lord, help us to feed the things of the Spirit and not the things of our flesh. We pray in your name. Amen. 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 It's up to you. It's up to you guys. Nobody's moving back. Right. Yeah. Okay. Good. All right. <laughs>
again for listening to the sermon podcast of Calvary Chapel of Mercer County. If you would like more information about the church, its ministries, its worship services, or its small groups, please visit ccmercer.com or download the church app to your phone.